Yesterday, Tyson Walker announces his return. Today, Malik Hall announces his return. And next year's basketball season is going to be a movie. <laughs> you are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners, how on earth are we all doing? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Spartans, and well, for the second day in a row, a very joyous episode of Locked On Spartans, as we have some big basketball news to get to, and basketball news that you already know, but it's not going to stop us from talking about it for the next 15 or so minutes, uh, because this is very exciting. Um, But first, that's right, we got to pay a bill. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. All right, let's continue this hoot nanny here. Uh, Malik Hall, as you guys have already found out by now, he is coming back to the squad next season for the 2023-24 college basketball season. This comes a day after Tyson Walker announces his return in Michigan State. Rolling in. To next fall with uh, a roster of 12 guys that uh, can compete. And not just a Big Ten level, but a national championship winning level. And oh my god, when, I, when you put it like that, I gotta say, putting the, the NC word out there, national championship word out there, it, it brings a tightness to the chest, but hey... High expectations are back in East Lansing, so come and get them while they're hot. We're going to talk about this, what this means for the team. Is it truly natty or bust? How many minutes are going to be allocated amongst this roster? Uh, But let's just get down to the brass tacks here. All right, Malik Hall, he is coming back for what is going to feel like his 17th year at Michigan State, but in reality, it's somehow only his fifth year. Uh, That game where he had a perfect day shooting from the floor against Seton Hall on the road, Truly feels like it happened in 2008, but um, no, I mean, hey, with the COVID year, all that fun stuff, you get to hang out in college for as long as you want, and we are thankful Malik Hall is sticking it out for a fifth year. Uh, we're talking about a guy, look, the last two years, nine points, four rebounds. Nothing that's going to set the world on fire, but we're going to get into it here in the next few minutes of why this is an important piece for a team, especially going into next year with the rest of their roster the way it is built. Uh, 37.5 career three-point shooter. That'll be a nice little kickout option to have on fast breaks, kind of like Joey Hauser was this season, the guy that would trail the rest of the pack. And okay, well, the defense is clogging up the lane. If they put all their resources into stopping the ball at the hoop, you can kick it back out to a guy like Malik Hall. Now, I want to stop myself right now. No, I'm not saying that Malik Hall is going to perfectly fill in for Joey Hauser, who was Nearly a 50% shooter from three, but look, you get a guy that could shoot the rock well. And with Joey Hauser leaving, all right, that's one domino that fell. All right. If you lose Malik Hall, then you're only coming back with two guys that could shoot the three-point ball pretty well. And that is, of course, Tyson Walker. And we talked about all day yesterday. And then, well, Jaden Akins as well. I would really like to have a third horseman out there. Um, yes, could Garrick Norman be a good three-point shooter? Perhaps, yes. Uh, that is what he is known to do in the high school ranks. But could take a guy a year or two to get that started collegiately. But this is a long way of saying that. Yeah, Malik Hall's got a solid shot. Now, I know he didn't really display that at the end of the season, especially in the tournament where he didn't make a three, but um, we're talking about a guy that is just rehabbing a foot, may or may not have had surgery very recently, and I think that may impact some shooting, but yes, uh, on his career, 
37.5% three-point shooter, which is, that's a percentage you take quite some time. Also, um, we're going to go to barttorvik.com. Yes, if I had a dollar for every time I referenced that website, I would be MSU's biggest NIL benefactor, but... It's not how the world works. Anyway, barttorvik.com. You can add, you can subtract players, and they'll spit out where you're going to be nationally, and they do this national ranking based on your average defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency. Stack it up with the rest of the teams in the nation, and right now with Malik Hall back, with Tyson Walker back, MSU, four in the nation. They are the fourth best team in the nation. Let's say Malik Hall didn't come back. All right, Michigan State would still be a top 10 team, but they would have slid all the way back to seven. So, no, just three spots isn't massive in the grand scheme of things, but, I mean, if you're going for a national title, you take any advantage that you can get, and Malik Hall is a big advantage to this roster. Now I get it. I get it because, um, believe me, I, I read the comments, I do read the emails, I hear the chatter on Twitter, um... And I, I gotta maybe just put this out there right now. Like, I know who we're talking about. We're talking about Malik Hall. And I came to his defense a lot after the season ended, especially after that Kansas State game where kind of struggled, but, I mean, I don't think he struggled as much as everyone led on to believe. But, yes, I know I'm not talking about Draymond Green here, you know, or prime Miles Bridges. Like, we are talking about a solid role player here. So I just want to check myself right now because... I know there's some concern out there, some worries, and I just want to dispel those right now because some things that you hear is, well, I got three worries written down in front of me that I've heard a lot of uh, since the offseason started when it comes to Malik Hall. And number one is the, uh, well, this will stunt the growth of Cohen Carr and, more importantly, Xavier Booker coming in. Um, this is going to eat into their minutes. This is really going to stunt their growth early on in their careers. And first and foremost, I, I, I really strongly disagree with that because... Point blank, and if you've been listening to this podcast for some time here, you'll not you're not gonna be surprised at this, but I, I never thought Xavier Booker was going to be a 30 minute a night game anyway, coming in immediately to his freshman season. Again, the long story short here is that Xavier Booker has that top 10 recruiting ranking because of where he will be eventually one day. He has a very high ceiling, he has a lot of the physical traits, he's got a smooth looking jumper, but He's still got a way to go before he hits that ceiling. I don't even know if he hits it in one year. So, no, I don't think that he was going to be a 30-minute-a-night player anyway, and I think it's actually nice that you maybe avoid having to do that. Also, same goes with Cohen Carr. Um, we'll go with the minute breakdowns here in a little bit, but I see like 10 to 12 minutes for Cohen Carr per night, and I really don't think that changes much with Malik Hall coming back. Also, I mean, it is really nice, too, that uh, Malik Hall is versatile. He can slide up into the three, for example, should Jaden Akins move up to the two to take some of those minutes or what have you. Long story short, Malik Hall versatile enough to play the three. That'll open up some four minutes for Xavier Booker or Cohen Carr. Or also, hey, Cohen Carr can play the three as well. Xavier Booker can play the five. So there will be minutes to be had for these kids. Um... And let's say Xavier Booker starts shining anyway during the season and it's clear that he should be getting the bulk of the minutes. I, I have no doubt that that will happen later on if Xavier Booker really does start to hit that ceiling earlier on. Um, and look, you know what? That leads right into the next point here. Uh, is that, look, I, I, I think Malik Hall knows he's not coming back to be the number two option offensively. You know, I don't think he's coming back expecting 38 minutes a night. Like, I... He's not stupid. I, I think he knows the role he's going to come into next year. 
and it might even be the role that he ended this season on of being that guy off the bench and I know that you know, a lot of people are saying oh well this means that Malik Hall is going to get all the minutes he's going to get all the starts just because he's the older guy and that's what Izzo does not really um he's shown very recently that that's not always the case I mean how many times has he given the backseat to a senior and which is really rare in this day and age of basketball if a senior knows that his role is going to shrink out the window he goes but look we've seen this in very recent history like Ben Carter took a backseat to Jaron Jackson in his senior year I mean god it's almost a perfect comparison Ben Carter Older experienced player, solid player, uh, ravished with injury late in his career, kind of like Malik Hall has been, giving the backseat to a talented Jaron Jackson, a guy who is getting a lot of comparison with Xavier Booker. Yeah, Ben Carter took a backseat in his senior year to Jaron Jackson as Jaron saw his production go up. He earned his way on the court. And look, I'm not going to talk about the Syracuse game. I feel a lot differently than a lot of other people do. I think Ben Carter was the correct call there, but... Again, I don't want people punching the air at home listening to this, but yes. So we've seen it that year. We've seen it with Tum Tum taking a backseat his senior year to a sophomore, Cassius Winston. Gavin Schilling saw his role shrink throughout his career as well. It, it takes Izzo understanding that, okay, well, I should be playing this kid more, and I'm going to defer to the Hall of Fame coach in identifying that because he has throughout his career. And it also takes even more from the kid coming back to realize what his role is going to be. Malik Hall, I don't think is a dummy. I, I think he knows that he is just going to be the grown man in the room, if you will. And that's actually uh, some lingo borrowed from uh, Graham Couch's column on Malik Hall coming back, is that he's going to be the grown man in the room. And that's just what Michigan State needs, especially in that position with the fours, with Cohen Carr behind him, with Xavier Booker behind him. When you're playing side-by-side side with a center position that has their faults. So, yes, he is going to be the leader on the court, off the court, and just a solid player overall. Now, that was two worries that people have. We're going to get to one more worry on the other end of this break and talk about, oh, my God, is this really natty or bust? But first, need to talk your ears off about FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the number one sports book in the land, and it is a really good time to get in on the action. We got PGA golf season rolling out there. We have NBA playoffs starting, NHL playoffs starting, and an MLB baseball season that could use some spicing up if you are like me and you're a fan of the Tigers who just make the summer miserable. Luckily, FanDuel is here to add some sauce on that summer. They're going to make watching Tigers baseball bearable this year. So God bless you, FanDuel. And hey, if you're a new customer, it's even better for you. Step up to the plate with the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So do not miss your chance to get on the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 this baseball season, this NBA playoff season, NHL playoff season. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Now let's keep talking Malik Hollis. He uh, is one of two Spartans to make all of our weeks this week, or most of our weeks. Again, I mean, there are some people that just just have, have irrational hatred for Malik Hall. And that's the last thing I wanted to get to, too, is the, oh, oh Malik sucked last year. Oh, he was, he was awful last year. He sucked. He was bad. I don't like... The guy just underwent foot surgery, all right? I mean, the, the guy came back 
off a broken foot for the second time, or or some, I don't know if it was a broken foot or some strained foot, a foot injury twice in the same season. And let's remember two things. Let's remember what this team looked like without him on the court. All right, I always go back to this, is who else did you want out there at the end of the season? Did you want Pierre Brooks and his 8% shooting from three in the game? The guy who got lost on defense all the time. No, like... Someone had to take those minutes, and it was going to be Malik Hall. Way different story going into next season. If not Malik, then who? Okay, well, hopefully a talented Cohen Carr or a talented Xavier Booker, okay? Like, this is actually a position that is now a strength on this team with these three guys. But, again, let's remember the second thing, too, is just how solid Malik Hall was before the first foot injury, before he had to miss the time going into the PK-85. Double-digit points against Gonzaga. Double-digit points against Villanova. And oh yeah, oh yeah, just a smooth 20 points, 5 rebounds in the Champions Classic against Kentucky. Like, he had a really, really strong start to his year. I mean, that just doesn't go away just because he was really bad down the stretch as he was playing with not just that hurt foot, but also, as Izzo alluded to last year, a hurt back as well. I get it. Believe me, I get it. Like, availability is your best ability. Yes, he has had injuries the last two seasons, but again, just like we talked about with, all right, well, who's behind him? This year, this upcoming year, two talented freshmen. So, yes, while he's here, while he's healthy, you'll want him. And if he does get hurt, okay, MSU is still a deep team this year, which is not something they could say last year. So, yes, I'm going to take the guy that's 23 years old, the guy that averages nine points and four rebounds and will know his role. All right. And also, uh, I know that there's some chatter out there of like, oh, well, Malik's back. That means we're not going to get someone from the portal. I've got a newsflash for you guys. I, I don't I don't think we were going to get anyone from the portal regardless. I, we just We just came from a season where they went into the year with, what, nine scholarship players, maybe ten scholarship players, whatever it was, and there wasn't even a thought from Izzo of going into the portal once Micah Parrish picked San Diego State. I mean, it wasn't really hot on the trails, as we all famously know now. I don't think going into next year with even more scholarship players already on the team that he would have dipped in the portal and gotten a kid. Like, I, it was either Malik Hall or it was nothing, and I would rather have... Malik Hall, I know, call me crazy, but this is the the fun part too, is that now Michigan State has three guys going into next year that are going to be over the age of 23 years old, all right? It's going to be Malik Hall, it's going to be Tyson Walker, and A.J. Hogard as well. You add that experience with the, the fresh blood, you know, that great top three rated recruiting class, and then all the guys in the middle like Jaden Aikens, guys like uh, Mati Sissoko, Jackson Kohler, Carson Cooper, you're feeling really good about this team going into a year that has national national championship or bust thoughts around most of this fan base. And uh, no one's asked me this question. I'm just going to ask it myself. Uh, sometimes you just got to do that as a podcaster. Um, but do I think it's natty or bust going into the season? Am I just going to be punching drywall? Um, just punching the windows out in my car if MSU doesn't win a national title. And call call me a weak fan, but no, I mean not really, just because winning a national title is very, very, very hard to do. But I still have very high expectations for this team. And for me to call next season a success, you need one of two banners. And this is something I've already said. It's something I'm going to say about 20 more times until the season tips off. You need to win one of two banners. The Big Ten regular season title 
That'd be nice. Okay, that'd be okay. Or, more importantly, a Final Four banner. A Big Ten tournament banner is not really a needle mover for me. Um, I'm sure if it happened, I would say yay, hooray, yippee. But no, you got to win the big one, the Big Ten regular season title, or the bigger one, a Final Four banner. I say that just because how big of a crapshoot the national tournament is anyway. Uh, yes, more times than not. You know, the national champ is very deserving. They are usually the best team in the country. But, you know, how many times have we seen teams falter early on? Like Kansas this year, Houston, Alabama, hello. I mean, I'm not breaking any news to you guys. So, yeah, that's where I'm at for expectations. Um, is Final Four, Big Ten regular season title. Uh, and if you don't get either of those, then... <laughs> That's a bust, then. That, that's a bust for me. Sky-high expectations, though. Uh, let's not get it twisted. Uh, also, FanDuel, they have you as the, uh, well, I guess, tied for second-best odds. Or, no, tied for third-best odds in the country for the national championship. Uh, you are at 15-1 to right now, which is actually better than 16-1 to before Tyson Walker announced his return. You are tied with Kentucky. Houston and Arizona all have 15 to 1 odds. There are two teams with 11 to 1 odds, and that is UConn, and that is Duke. Duke also had Kyle Filipowski announce his return. He was going to be a fringe first-round draft pick. He announces his return, and how fitting is that? Because Malik Hall will probably meet Kyle Filipowski a lot in the upcoming Champions Classic next November, and also Tyrese Proctor as well. So that is going to, going to be a top-five matchup in the Champions Classic between Michigan State and Duke. But yeah, so that's where we are for national title or bust talk. Now... We're going to round out this basketball talk with, I'm going to give my best shot at projecting the minutes for next season. There are 200 minutes to be had amongst this team. Here we go. Uh, jot this all down or don't jot this all down or I'm going to bark out a bunch of numbers at you. So buckle up, Buster. All right, A.J. Hogard, he's going to be around where he was at this year. I think 30 minutes. Right behind him, Jeremy Fears, I think 13 minutes. And then Trey Holloman, 10 minutes. 13 seems a little light for Jeremy Fears, but I think as the season goes on um, and we start to taper off this lineup somehow, even though you have 12 solid players, I think it's going to be in that 13-minute mark. Would not be surprised if it's higher, but that's where I'm at right now. Tyson Walker, slight dip to the 30-minute mark. Uh, he was at 32, I believe, last year. Jaden Akins, I think, will be at 25 minutes. Garrick Norman, 10 minutes. Cohen Carr, 12 minutes, just like we talked about. And then uh, Xavier Booker, 18 minutes. You know, you can play some of the four, dip down to the five. Malik Hall, probably 22 minutes. Uh, and then Sissoko, um, Jackson Kohler, and then Carson Cooper, 10 minutes apiece. Um, if you did all that quick math, that all adds up to 200 minutes. But that's kind of what I feel right there. 30 combined minutes from the, the center role, and then Xavier Booker will eat up some of those minutes. Maybe Malik Hall plays the five during some small ball but yeah I think there's going to be a lot of um versatility between Aikens two going between the two and the three uh maybe fears as well so again like that's what I love about this roster too is that it's only the fives that really have no versatility to them Monty Sissoko Carson Cooper Jackson Kohler like those, those guys are fives and only fives whereas you know, the rest of the roster for Save, Holloman, and, and Hogard, those guys are probably ones and only ones, although we did see a few lineups with both of them on the court at the same time last year, which was mind-boggling. But, yeah, you know, I guess we're just going to put a bow on this, is that we are going to see 
87 lineups per game, I feel like, to start the season as Tom Izzo tries to figure out this wonderful problem of a jigsaw puzzle he has in front of him. But yeah, versatility everywhere, experience everywhere, talent everywhere. It is so fun. Oh, basketball's fun again, guys. This is great. Um, If it wasn't fun enough for you last year, uh, hey, just enjoy this offseason, this upcoming year, and let's pray for a healthy offseason coming up. So... And pretty quick, we're going to get into some football talk here. We're going to hear from Scotty Hazelton. That's right, the defensive coordinator of your Michigan State Spartans spoke. And uh, so, yeah, you know what? We're going to get to that here in a hot second. Scotty Hazelton. That's right, defensive coordinator of your Michigan State Spartans. He spoke with the media. And right now, it's all positive vibes around spring practice. Uh, that goes for pretty much every program in the country. I don't think you're going to see an assistant coach step up in front of a microphone and talk about how awful... Things are going. It's it's all good vibes in the air, which is what we need around this football program uh, as we go into a very, very important season next fall. But Scotty Hazleton kicked things off with saying, quote, we have the ingredients to be a really good defense. We have the want to be really, really good. And we have the leaders to be really, really good as well. Um, also, you did make a mention to last year there were 27 different guys that got at least one start on defense, which is uh, unbelievable, unhealthy, uh, literally unhealthy. That's why 27 guys got the start because of injuries happening. Of course, the suspensions after the Michigan game, but also was all positive about it, saying, hey, you know what? Uh, this means that young guys have that much-needed experience and attention to detail to take on whatever it's going to take this season. So, of course, you got to have the horses to have a good defense as well. It just can't be 27 random guys that got to play just because you needed them. Like These guys also have to be good. And, look, it's, it's all positive coming out of practice. And also just a little bit of reminders of, who these players are, too. And we're going to start it off with Jacoby Winman. Hazleton said, quote, he's a different cat. I uh, also went on to compliment his leadership, versatility, and, well, we saw the versatility last year, taking off the season as an edge rusher, had to scoot back and play some linebacker as the season went on just because the team needed him there, and he's that good. And maybe, I don't think that we have forgotten completely about it, but he did miss the last four games of the season last year, and that was after the suspension due to the Michigan Tunnel incident. It wasn't injury or anything like that, but yeah, I maybe we just need a reminder of just how good Jacoby Winman truly is, because last year uh, he was top 10 in the conference in sacks. All right, that was even with leaving four games on the counter, not playing the last month of the season. He was number one in fumbles forced on the year. He was number two in tackles for loss per game. And just like Scotty Hazleton said, I mean, incredibly versatile guy. Came in from UNLV, top 15 tackler in the nation as far as numbers go. So if we're looking for some good news here, if we're looking for any positive vibes going into the season, let just number four, Jacoby Winman, be be that beacon of light for you going on. Uh, Scotty Hazleton went on to compliment a bunch of other different guys. Uh, one of them, uh, Tumise Adelaye, former five-star prospect out of Texas A&M, as you guys already know, and he's echoing what we've been saying on this podcast whenever we bring him up. Just how versatile this kid is. Uh, we could see him play a smattering of different posi positions on that defensive front throughout the season. So, clearly Scotty Hazleton excited about him. Uh, said Cal Halliday, who, God, I feel like has been here for the last eight years. Uh, still saying that he has grown this spring uh, in the secondary 
We said goodbye to Xavier Henderson, and that is tremendously sad because, well, he was a solid player, but also an outstanding leader as well. And Scotty Hazleton pointed to the guy taking over for Xavier Henderson, Jaden Mangum, and said he, quote, picked up the torch from Xavier Henderson at safety. So, I mean, again, we're going to have to see it on the field, but Jaden Mangum is one of those guys that got some starts last year under his belt and a lot of serious playing time due to the absence of Xavier Henderson as he was rehabbing from that terrible uh, leg injury that he had. Uh, to keep it going, uh, there are also some young defensive backs as well. Malik Spencer, Dylan Tatum, came, uh, Caleb Coley uh, said they are, quote, holding each other accountable. Hazleton said that. Also, about the young guys as well, I don't expect to see a lot of true freshman action on the field this fall. Or so I think. Maybe I could be wrong because these are good quotes coming out about Jordan Hall. Uh, Scotty Hazleton really complimented his leadership ability, which is something you really don't hear a lot from in a true freshman. But going back to Jordan Hall's recruitment uh, during signing day, we gave him a lot of accolades for this, is that he, he kind of reminds us all of Darian Harris. Uh, not just the way that he plays, not just the position, but also the way he carries himself and leads teams. I think he was a multi-year captain at IMG Academy, which is very rare to happen at that sports factory of a high school. Usually that's just kept for the seniors, but I believe he was a captain his junior year as well, and maybe even before that. But nevertheless, strong leader in Jordan Hall, true freshman. Um, maybe he gets on the field early. And another guy that could get on the field early, top 100 recruit by Job. He is the edge rusher. And uh, Hazleton just used one word to describe him, and that word was fun. That's right. It's fun to have him in the Bay. So uh, one other thing that Scotty Hazleton was asked about and uh, riffed on a little bit is how bizarre it was last year that Michigan State only had two interceptions. And those are his words, not mine. He said that it was, quote, weird that Michigan State only had two interceptions. That's that's one word for it. I think us fans have a different word for it. But, hey, we're going to try to keep things positive here. Um, he just talked about, hey, you know what, uh, yes, the secondary does have to step up, but it's not just that. The pass rush also needs to help out as well, make things uncomfortable for the quarterback. So there's going to have to be a full group effort to get those turnover numbers back up to where they should be. Because, man, I, I don't know how many games you're going to win this season if you're only having two interceptions on the entire year. So again, hey, we're going to be getting another peek at these guys, not just quotes, not just quips, but also actual eyeballs on these guys this Saturday at Spartan Stadium, 2 p.m. for the spring football Bonanza Palooza, just like we talked about on yesterday's show. It's not going to be a live game, but there will be a live scrimmage aspect to it. Um, I can't imagine that'll last all too long, maybe the last 30 or so minutes of practice. But yeah, it'll be the starting offense for starting defense, the backup offense versus backup defense, all that good stuff. So talked a lot about that yesterday of what we want to see and what we could see from that game. And someone commented, um, or maybe it was an email at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. I forgot to write my notes how this even came across. But someone asked, hey, what would you add to the spring game to make it more desirable? And I got three things written in front of me right now, just in case anyone is listening. And surely, uh, what would this be, four days before the event is a great time to just start throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. I'm sure event organizers are clamoring to hear my thoughts and getting things in motion. But um, no, this is just what I would do for years after this one is, first and foremost, 
Hey, does anyone remember the Meet the Spartans event that they would have every offseason? Um, usually this would be in August, a few weeks before the year, but it was that really fun event, family fun event. You get to meet and greet the Spartans, kind of as the title suggests. But it was nice for uh, little Tice to get some autographs, or if you're an autographing, hunting weirdo like myself, uh, that's still a great way to add to your collection as well. But that was a cool event too because uh, they also had more than just meeting the players and autographs too. They had some games. They had the photo ops with the trophies and Sparty and everything like that. But I think that'd be a good idea to have before the game because COVID kind of killed Meet the Spartans. And I don't think that they have brought that back or even have plans to bring that back. And I know that a lot of fans really love that event year after year. So maybe instead of August, do it before the spring game. You know, a little more casual of an event instead of just weeks leading up to a very intense season, if that's some of the issue. So... Yeah, doors open at 12.30, have the team out there, set the tables up around the, uh, the the concourse or the field, wherever you want it to be for an hour, sign the autographs, take the pictures with the little tykes, everything like that. So that's just one suggestion I would have. Number two, uh, allow tailgating. I mean, that just seems pretty standard right there. I know a lot of people would not mind to get a few pops in their system at such a beautiful day. And also, hey, it's our offseason too. Let's get prepped for the season coming up. And then my third idea is uh, let the fans kick field goals and extra points, maybe return some punts, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I know that a lot of people were up in arms and uh, just crying about the field goal problems last year. I'm one of them. I think for good reason. It was kind of a backbreaker uh, of a season. But, yeah, anytime MSU scores, bring a fan onto the field, have them kick the extra point just to show them how hard it is. Or, you know, shag punts from Michael O'Shaughnessy during practice, I, just just to give everyone a better perspective of how hard it really is. Um, I don't want fans running like slant routes against uh, Jacoby Winman or anything, or trying to block Tumasi Adelaye or Chris Bogle from getting into the backfield, but like, you know, just stuff that's, that's fun and easy to do. I would just have more interaction like that. Thanks a ton for listening, guys. You are all truly the best. Love every single one of you. What a joyous day. What a joyous week so far with Tyson Walker, Malik Hall announcing their return. Um, any other news that breaks? Hey, you know where to find us? Locked on Spartans. We're going to be talking spring ball coming up here later this week. Uh, solid recruiting weekend. We're going to get in on all the names and all of that banter. And then also Anthony Ayani joins us later this week as well. Again, guys, you know where to find us. Locked on Spartans, your team every single day. Now go enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go Green.